Thanks for joining us at BIB Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. My guest today is in the thick of a lot of changes in the way our financial services are regulated, including our massive real estate industry, which in turn affects everything from corporate conduct to licensing to investigations and discipline in various sectors. In the weeks to come, actually, this regulator, the BC Financial Services Authority, is going to be absorbing the work that had been done by the Real Estate Council of BC. This was a recommendation of a 2019 report on money laundering in our province. So there's plenty to talk about today with Blair Morrison, the CEO of the authority, to tap into his experience and outlook. Good to have you. Welcome. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks for having me today. I I barely know where to start with you. And and so I'm going to ask you, when you wake up in the morning and you think about work, where, where do you start? I actually start from a piece of uh, a place of excitement. I think the changes that we're talking about today, the bringing together of these three regulators into a integrated regulator that's going to be overseeing the financial service sector, including real estate, is really the right way for this province to go. And I think the integration, the ability to share information, the ability to connect the dots is really going to help instill confidence in the sector. And it's a sector that's so important for the overall prosperity of BC and individual British Columbians. So I got a lot to do, but I'm excited. Lots to unpack there. Uh, I mean, look, in some cases, consolidation often means things like uh, just trying to cut costs and all of that. Uh, uh, This is a different kind of consolidation from what I can infer. Um, Tell me a little bit, I mean, what, what problems are trying to be solved here? Yeah, so if I'll take a little step backwards, um, I joined BCFSA back in 2019. And at that time, BCFSA, as you said, the the BC Financial Services Authority, was in the position of coming out of core government. So the old regulator called FICOM was part of the Ministry of Finance. And that oversees things like credit unions, financial institutions, um, uh, pension plans, mortgage brokers. And, and it was moving out of core government, um, Minister James, then Minister James talked about creating a modern and efficient, effective regulator that was going to be a crown um, agency. So I arrived just at the tail end of that, and that transaction was completed on November 1st of 2019. Uh, about two weeks later, uh, the Ministry of Finance said that uh, their direction was going to be that the office of the superintendent of real estate and as you mentioned, the Real Estate Council of BC would be integrated into BCFSA. So why was that the case? Um, The current structure that was in place, Kirk, has been in place since 2016. And obviously there was a lot of controversy, a lot of issue about what was going on and the proper regulation. So the government created this two-tier structure of having the superintendent, but also having the REC BC uh, operate under certain circumstances. The, The structure was right then, but what we've seen over time is an ability to become more efficient and effective. Um, There was overlapping accountabilities. There was um, confusion as to which party was playing in what role. So if you take a step back, the minister thought about one financial service sector, uh, again, a financial service sector that ranges from credit unions uh, to uh, trust companies, to insurance companies, to pensions, uh, to uh, mortgage brokers, and to real estate professionals. So with that announcement was the bringing together of those three entities into BCFSA. Yeah. How, how would you describe the public responsibility now of the authority? 
So I think it's a great question. I, if I take a step back, where I see regulators playing, particularly in a space like the financial service sector that's so important for the economy and has a direct impact on individual British Columbians' lives, it's all about confidence. Um, mm -hmm. Our job as a regulator is to instill confidence in the marketplace. So confidence that people of British Columbia, when they're engaged in a transaction, making a decision to buy a home, um, deciding to take their pension, you know, will the pension plan be sufficient to, to keep you in a lifestyle that you want in your retirement years, um, de deciding on whether or not to invest and loan your money or deposit your money with a credit union. We want to make sure as a regulator that the people of British Columbia feel confident, confident that um, the necessary training and licensing are in place, confident that the bad actors, to the extent we have them, are being dealt with, and confident that when they deal with some of the most important transactions in their lives, that there's someone looking out for their interest. And that's what we do as the regulator of the sector. Yeah, I, I don't expect you to disparage uh, previous regimes in all of this, Blair, but I mean, can you can you at least point me to where you think the principal challenges are for this beefed up authority now? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disparage anyone, but I think this is a proper evolution of the marketplace. When you think of the financial service sector, you think about how we engage a credit union, how we bank, um, the changes, the competitors. Uh, think about what's happening in the real estate space with a, a, a very robust market, which has its ebbs and flows, but is, again, so important to individual British Columbians. The concept of an integrated regulator, Kirk, what I would say is trying to bring um, all the necessary pieces within one. Um, when we talk about proper regulation, you often get caught with, um, are you sharing information properly? Is the regulator in a place to bring different pieces of information together to connect the dots? And what this new regulator will be is a much better position to do that. So I think of it as an evolution. I think of it as an evolution overseeing a sector that is going through a tremendous amount of change itself. I mean, again, think about how you dealt with a credit union 10 years ago to how you deal with them now with virtual and all of the services that you can get through your phone. It's hugely challenging. And I think this is the um, a really good opportunity to uh, consolidate and have an integrated regulator looking at the whole sector. Well, you talk about uh, 2019 and 2019 feels about 15 years ago now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I remember uh, in, a, in the budget briefing at the beginning of 2020 asking uh, Carol James, then the finance minister, uh, so what, what are your plans for uh, financial support for uh, businesses affected by this thing called COVID? Uh, any idea? You know, so not really, no, not yet, but we'll be there, you know, that kind of thing. So look, I, I guess it's a roundabout way of asking you, what, what has changed in this environment in the last year plus under the pandemic for you? Yeah, so it has been a change, a huge change for all society, for all of us individuals. It's impacted us personally, professionally, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole gambit. So, you know, I've I've had the experience of living through other quote unquote financial crises. This one's been mm -hmm. different because I think you know the impact on society just from you know from everything we do, how we celebrate, how we mourn, how we educate, how we engage has been profound. 
and at the bottom line, I mean, it has taken people's lives and it's taken, um, you know, a huge impact on our economy and, and the way we work as um, the way we live and, 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 and live as citizens. I mean, BCFSA um, actually did a very good job over the last year. We were able to um, pivot uh, quite quickly. We were a, a laptop based organization to start with. So when the change came in March of 2020, we were able to, um, with with a fair amount of ease, um, you know, deal with the work from home and deal with the connectivity. Of course, the adjustments that we've all had to go through and making sure that we still stay connected and and we're supporting each other has been an area of focus. In the first part of the year, Kirk, I would say we were very focused on making sure that we provided the amount of relief that we could to the credit union sector and the other financial service sector. You may have heard them called euphemistically easing measures, but that's everything from, do you need to file a form by this date or are we gonna give you some more time? Or how do you account for um, you know, the loans on your balance sheet that are being impacted from COVID? So we had a good conversation, a good coordination with not only the feds, um, but also the street. And that was very much our focus in the first part of the year. Um, as we've moved through the year and into 2020, the new normal um, to the extent that we have has been you know, subject of the ebbs and flows of COVID. So we continue to be very close with the sector we regulate, um, ongoing conversations, seeing what um, uh, is being impacted to them on a day-to-day basis and how as a regulator we can um, be focused and be engaged. I'd say, Kirk, the main difference between a modern efficient regulator and a not a modern efficient regulator is the focus on risk. We are all about risk. Where are the biggest risks that are facing our collective system? And that's not necessarily being the biggest credit union. Uh, It could actually be some of the smaller credit unions, given some of the challenges in cyber and um, consolidation of lending. But it's all about risk. And I think we spent the last year and a bit focusing on risk, and that's been well received. Are you uh, discovering uh, here right now, Blair, a lot of monkey business that took place during the course of the pandemic. There were, it, this was almost an open invitation to the bad players to be really bad players, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good question. Um, bottom line is what I've seen across the sectors, and I mean that total financial service sector, is the vast majority of the participants, the vast majority of the licensees, the vast majority of the people that work for these kinds of institutions are only trying to do the right thing. Yes, we're all challenged under a number of different scenarios. There's COVID, there's the business transformation. Fundamentally though, you know, the right people are doing it. That being said, there are bad actors. And I think, you know, the ability for us to, um, uh, you know, share information, um, focus on the scenarios and engage people, that's gonna serve us going forward. Have we seen a spike? Well, you know, we have seen a spike on some of the complaints that are coming through the real estate regulator about some of the real estate activities. You see that as normally as you see activities um, spike, but are we seeing bad actors? You know, no more than normal, and we're just trying to deal with them in a most efficient and effective way. I needn't tell you though, that uh, British Columbia has a storied history of, uh, of bad actors around the financial services and, and the sector. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier the sense of confidence that you want the authority to uh, to instill in British Columbians and all that. With that comes, of course, the trust uh, that that uh, the regulator is going to regulate. Um, and I guess what it turns me to, Ward, is is the discussion of penalties and and how substantial those penalties are. 
do you feel that we have sufficient penalties in place for the bad actors? The question about confidence and penalties is, is a complicated one and it's an important one. But what I would say, Kirk, is that I wanna be a regulator that is, I want this regulator to be clear in intent and outcome. I want the, um, the sector, um, the participants, individual British Columbians to know what we are concerned about. And with that comes necessary outcomes. And this is not gonna be a secret. We're gonna be clear on being part of a modern, efficient, effective regulator is being transparent, being open on what our plans are and where we're where we focusing and then follow through. Do I wanna see a more efficient and effective um, discipline regime? whether or not that deals with bad actors that may be in the real estate space or other space, market conduct, how insurance, some insurance companies or trust companies may be uh, marketing or selling certain things to individual, absolutely. And that's what you're gonna see from us. You're gonna see that focus and you're gonna see it more transparent and public. Um, I believe the people of British Columbia should be aware of what its regulator is doing. And when there are events, activities that are happening, we, we wanna be clear on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not expecting you necessarily also to, to give me all of your, uh, your plans around, uh, around real estate. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that people in this province have thought that um, the real estate industry boomed without having uh, the kind of oversight that was necessary in order to reflect just how important it was to our economy. That now appears to be reined in. You know, there, there are more and more uh, ways in which it's it's being and through through your authority of course and and other ways uh reined in a bit so that it um you know it's it's probably playing by by the rules of a lot of other businesses uh in a real hurry but do you have some early priorities on what you see the authority being able to do in this space now, obviously, we're again back in a boom time for real estate. I don't know if it ever went away in the province. I know it went away yeah. a couple of years ago, but the, generally speaking, the, the, um, the direction has been a very positive one. And as a regulator, I'm, I'm happy for the economy. I'm happy for individuals, but I also have concerns. Um, you know, what kind of activities are being undertaken in this kind of industry? Um, are people aware? We've seen lots of uh, reports in the press about individuals not being quite aware of, 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 of how transactions are, are, are undertaken and, and what's practice in the industry. And I think what you've seen is from my soon to be colleagues in the Rec BC, they've been issuing and kind of go out there and to speak to the people of British Columbia about what is practice and what they should be seeing and how they can report on that. So I'd say I, I'm gonna to try to look at it from an overall perspective. How do you become a real estate professional in this province? How do you become a real estate licensee? You know, is the um, are we dealing enough at the upfront in terms of making sure that the right kind of individuals are licensed? When you mm -hmm. become licensed, you know, are you doing one or two transactions a year? Are you doing 300? And, you know, in terms of how you're dealing with the folks, what kind of activity and how we continue to educate them. AML, money laundering, has been an area of focus across the country, very complex, obviously an area of focus here in British Columbia. You know, the Real Estate Council issued uh, an AML uh, course uh, two years ago. That's been very well received. Are we providing the necessary individuals, um, you know, with the education that we want? And lastly is when people step outside the rules, let's be clear. Let's be clear in intent and outcome 
and be public about that. And yes, education has a part of that. We want to make sure people are educated properly. But fundamentally, you know, uh, as a real estate licensee, you have obligations. It's it's not a um, right to be uh, to participate in this financial service sector. It's actually a privilege. And with that privilege comes accountabilities, accountabilities to license, educate, and play within the rules. So we're going to be clear on that and try to be specific, Kurt, because I know a lot of people are saying you're playing up there in the clouds, player. We're going to bring it down and be clear on what is our area of focus. Well, and certainly um, from our standpoint at a, at a business publication, for instance, I mean, what we're always trying to get from um, authorities, regulators, uh, institutions is a greater sense of the transparency that you mentioned earlier. So do you have some specifics in mind about ways in which you you think that the authority will express itself in a more transparent way than perhaps the public's accustomed to? Yeah, so I think everybody everybody understands, including the sector, you know, how important it is to have a regulator. You bring confidence to the marketplace, you bring and with confidence comes money, comes flows, comes transactions. You know, I think people are saying, so what does this new regulator really mean? What's it going to change? And I'll give you an example of something that did happen in the middle of the pandemic, Kurt. I view our regulator as a source of truth. I view our regulator as someone who should be part of the conversations about where we're going. Strata, Strata Insurance last year, our government instructed us in the early part of the year to go out and do some work on Strata, to do data, to collect data, to come up with some recommendations, to come up with some views on the marketplace. We did that. We did that with the power of our regulator to call data from insurance companies. We issued an interim report in June, a final report after the election in in December. And that's really become a, 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 a source of data and information and knowledge for the system. Did we solve everything? Of course not. But we were able to address some issues we saw in the sector, and we were able to provide the scope of um, the British Columbians a sense of what is happening with a specific sense of facts. So what I see going forward, Kirk, is a regulator that is engaged not um, and willing and able to take on some of the more controversial issues as being a part of a source of information and data and um, a, a sense of truth to be quite honest, because we know the issues that you're talking about and that you're, you're, the readers and the people of British Columbians, they're complicated, right? It's complicated out there. So I think that's a great example of where I'd like to see us going forward, a regulator playing in that kind of space. Yeah, and and uh, picking up on the strata issue because it is complicated and, and your report actually indicated that it was probably going to take many, many years to uh, disentangle these questions of deductibles and insurance premium hikes that were stratospheric in a lot of ways because of uh, basically world events. Um, what I ask you is, you know, uh, is there a, a sizable gap between public expectation and, you know, regulator capacity? You're quite right in terms of saying it's all about expectations. As a regulator, we have a lot of things that we can play in, but we have limited resources and limited um, um, you know, individuals and expertise. So at the end of the day, I think what you'll see, Kirk, is us trying to be more specific on where we are going to focus. So just recently, we issued a, um, we call it our regulatory roadmap. 
again, focused on the old BCFSA as opposed to the BCFSA after our, uh, our integration of real estate. But that's essentially told the sector, the credit unions, the insurance companies, the mortgage brokers, where our areas of focus are going to be. And it allows them to better plan and understand their scarce resources, but it also tells the street and tells the people of British Columbia where we are focused. So areas like data, areas like um, uh, third party um, uh, service providers and the risk that those apply. Those are the kinds of things that we will try to be as transparent and open, but also as agile. If 2020, 21 and told us anything, we have to be agile, we have to be flexible, but we're gonna lay out our roadmap the best we can. It's gonna be with consultation with the sector, consultation with the public, consultation with the government, but we're gonna to try to be clear as we can be on where we are gonna focus our limited resources. And as you said, properly set expectations. Yeah, uh, expectations may also arise uh, from the Cullen Commission. And I wanna know whether anything that you've been witnessing in terms of its own um, uh, proceedings gives you the sense that you're gonna have some other duties here awfully soon. Well, we did uh, we did provide testimony and advice and direction to the Cullen. We uh, were we provided our testimony, I believe, in the early part of the year. It's hard to keep all the months straight these days. Um, and fundamentally, we provided you know an opportunity. This is what we do. This is what we can do. Um, and subject to whatever the larger policy direction may be, either coming out of Cullen as a recommendation or Cullen coming out of the government as a interpretation or, or a, a putting into place some Cullen recommendations. I mean, quite frankly, you know, we're here to help. We're here to play our part. Money laundering is complicated. It's overlapping, it's confusing, and we would like to be clear on what role we can play or what role we're directed to play. And with that, you know, we want to make sure we're clear on where we need information from others to be successful and where others need information from us to be successful. The challenges that you've heard coming out of Cullen are information goes into this silo, it's not shared, or data is provided over here and it's not shared over here. We acknowledge that and uh, we're looking forward to the clarification um, from Cullen, its recommendation, but also, as you said, that's big P policy matters. That's where the government is going to wade in and say, based on Cullen, based on our own interpretation, we want to clarify expectations. And what we've said is subject to resources, subject to access to data, subject to all of that, you know, clarify. We're pleased to have a specific AML mandate and we're, and we're clearly um, pleased to play our part in dealing with the issue. Last, uh, last area, uh, Blair, and I'm not sure how much of this is within the authority's purview, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. Uh, it, it's watching um, how this province uh, and the dynamic of the real estate industry has shaped up and, uh, and the fact that it is a very, very expensive proposition to own a home and to, and to buy property. Um, and, and with that has come a fairly substantial shadow financing industry in this province outside of, of the, you know, of the, the name brands, if you want to call it that. Um, how worrisome is that to you? And what do you think the authority can do in this field? The, the concerns about um, a, a market that has grown and continues to grow very rapidly, uh, supply, demand, price increases, there's a lot that comes out of that of concern. And you know, when you talk about a shadow financing market, we are 
concerned. You know, we have accountabilities um, to oversee mortgage brokers. We have accountability to oversee um, uh, the credit union system in, in British Columbia. So we have two major pieces in terms of how financing occurs. Now, obviously, there's the big banks, there's other sources. Um, but, you know, in terms of BC, we have both credit unions and mortgage brokers. What happens outside, you know, we sometimes see, we sometimes see, um, you know, when we are uh, having conversations about the credit unions, with the credit unions, with the mortgage brokers, as they share information with us. Um, we don't have a direct mandate, but for sure, we share that information where we can with others that do. And I think if, if you go back to my one of my first points, Kirk, it's about confidence. And, you know, we want to make sure that um, the kind of situations, the things that you've highlighted there, um, you know, aren't impacting on a negative perspective, the confidence. So we don't have a direct mandate. We deal with it indirectly through our oversight of credit unions and mortgage brokers. But where we see things, um, rest assured, we are we are engaging others to to highlight them and and to try to deal with them. Yeah, it can be a pretty predatory field. Huh? It's it's a market that's growing. It's a market where money is being made. So by definition, as I think you said earlier on, that can sometimes attract bad actors. And we want to make sure that we're clear on that. Uh, you know, it's about confidence. When uh, the people of British Columbia, you know, enter into a transaction like deciding how to buy a house, the new BCFSA, to the extent that they're dealing with a, a credit union or a mortgage broker, we will see that transaction from beginning to end. So we'll be keeping an eye on market conduct. We'll be keeping an eye on um, the, the tactics that are being used. We'll keep an eye on AML if that's where Cullen and the government wants us to do. So we really will have the ability to connect the dots. And I think that will provide better protections for the people of British Columbians. Yeah. Listen, it's been a great conversation. I hope you'll come back regularly and keep us abreast of uh, the evolution of a lot of these fields that you're overseeing. You've got... Uh, Meantime, I, my my guess is that you're going to have longer working days for a little while. So uh, we'll leave you to it. Um, Blair Morrison, very good talking to you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for the conversation. Blair Morrison is the CEO of the BC Financial Services Authority. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching BIB Today. We'll see you again.